What? Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Who's with me? Let's go! Come on! Fan Junkies Radio invites you to sit back, relax, turn the TV volume down, and turn your computer volume up for another edition of Frat House Saturday. Now, here's Frat House Mike himself, Mike McShane. All righty, yes, thank you very much, and welcome back to another Frat House Saturday here. And I, I thank you all for joining me. So, Hot one here today at the frat house, I'll tell you, as we're entering our fourth day in a row of 90-degree temperatures. Um, but uh it's supposed to end, I think, tomorrow, but uh, hopefully it doesn't end the way it did. Uh, boy, oh, boy, the pictures I saw from last night again in Oklahoma, just absolutely incredible um, and somewhat devastating. So uh, thoughts go out to everybody there in Oklahoma, apparently. Another tornado ripped right through the exact same town that uh, there in Moore, Oklahoma. Another one went right through that same area again last evening. Uh, apparently, too, there were others in other sections of uh, that state. There were about, from what I last I heard or read, there were about five different twisters uh, that landed in uh, the Oklahoma area. My good buddy Sidekick as well is out in uh, St. Louis, and apparently he just missed uh, being involved in one himself that uh, apparently touched down in the St. Louis metro region just about a mile and a half from himself. So, mercifully, uh, he's okay, but uh, some wicked, wicked weather going on in uh, different parts of the country. It doesn't seem possible. Uh, it seems like just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about major uh, snowstorms, and here we are, 90-degree temperatures, and of course it is June 1, so here we sit on June 1st. 90-degree temperatures and tornadoes breaking out around different parts of the country. So thoughts to everyone, who, uh, whoever might be affected by some of, that, uh, some of that weather. It's very unfortunate. But this is a sports show, and that's what we're here to talk about. So if there's anything on your mind... Please do not hesitate to give me a holler here on a Frat House Saturday, 347-237-5373. Let me jump over, and uh, we'll start it off today with uh, my usual today in sports history. And I found this little nugget rather interesting. I didn't actually realize that they started doing this this early. But on this date in 1938, well, baseball helmets were started to be worn for the very first time. In 1938. And uh, I found that rather interesting because I uh, didn't expect that uh, to be as, as, you know, I I thought it would have been a little bit later uh, down the line. All right. But there's our Today in Sports Nugget. All righty. Let's get to a couple of phone calls we've got here. Thanks for uh, calling Fred House Saturday. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm wondering, when the helmets first came out, did you run out to a store and get one right away? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. I appreciate that. 
Wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> Happy Saturday, man. I felt like calling into your show today. Thank you very much. And tune in while I'm uh, out and about. So, if uh, if people do not recognize that is the voice of Jonathan Regis, who is on with uh, well, we're on together here Monday, Wednesday, and Friday right here on Frat uh, Frat House Sports. So, thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Not you know at all, man. I. One of the things I plan on getting into here in a couple of moments, and it's something actually I'm going to pick up on something that you and I were talking about yesterday, and that's the whole issue with Tim Tebow. And yeah, I'm going to throw it's that a uh, disgusting issue. <laughs> it, it really is. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw it back out there again because, of course, then you sent over to me that additional report last night that just continued to build on some of the outrageous things that David Fleming had to say in his ESPN profile, and yes. then of course this morning I picked up the uh, story. Uh, from USA Today, where there are folks inside of Tim Tebow's camp that are vehemently denying the fact that, that he has given up any hope on getting an NFL job. Uh, yes. Fleming's, Fleming's report to me I find to be very, very disturbing because in many respects what he is almost doing is manipulating this man's career. And he absolutely is. There, there is not a shadow of a doubt in my mind that he's manipulating his career. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be opening it up to the folks for comment. Because, you know, obviously Tim Tebow is and has been something of a polarizing individual. I'm not even a big fan of him, uh, necessarily. I don't really have a feeling on him one way or another. But I just feel the guy deserves a chance. So, Yeah, no, he absolutely I, does. And uh, there's a story making its rounds today that a uh, source uh, from the Tebow camp is, is, is extremely denying the reports out of uh, ESPN Magazine and Chuck Fleming's story, right. saying that, uh, you know, he's not giving up on the NFL He's, he, he definitely wants to land a position with an NFL team. He's also not ready to retire, and he's not going to play for the Canadian Football League or the Arena Football League. So, you know, Tim Good. Tebow wants to continue his dream, and that's playing football in the NFL. And will it be as a quarterback? Who knows? Will it be more as a utility player? You know, is that the kind of role we're going to go with now in football and take the utility role out of baseball and put it right into the NFL now and have Tim Tebow – as a spot quarterback, fullback, tight end, and maybe even wide receiver, it's you know it's a possibility. But that's going to be up to Tim Tebow, you know, to decide. Yeah, and really, like I said, to have somebody like David Fleming coming out and writing some of the most outrageous things that we and you and I went over it yesterday. Uh, some of the most outrageous things that he did. Uh, he's taking that decision out of the hands of Tim Tebow, which is where it belongs. Why in the world would a guy his age even consider retiring, as you just put it? That is ludicrous. He shouldn't have to. Absolutely he not. He shouldn't have to. Listen, like I said, it's going to take an injury to a quarterback and a pretty good quarterback for somebody to take a waiver on Tim Tebow. And at that point, if Tim Tebow comes in and actually gets to start a few games, I hope to God that Tim Tebow, you know, plays good enough to, you know, to warrant a starting job the following season. Because honestly, I think Tim Tebow is a good athlete. He's a very good guy. I don't necessarily think he's an average quarterback. I think he's a below-average quarterback. But we've right. seen a lot of quarterbacks come into this league that were very below average, and they ended up being a little above average towards the end of their career. But Absolutely. if he doesn't get the spot to play and the time to play, this guy can't learn and grow within the NFL. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, we'll see what happens uh, this season. But, I, you know, I, I honestly think it's going to take somebody to go down for somebody to take a waiver on Tim Tebow, and uh, to me, that's a shame. That is a shame. I agree. I agree. All right, yeah. man. Well, listen, I appreciate you giving us a holler here today. Absolutely. Also, 
A little yep. bit of breaking news for you today here. Go ahead. Um, just reading out that uh, Steelers offensive tackle Mike Adams is actually in the hospital as he was stabbed uh, during a reported burglar at his house. Oh, boy. So, wow. little news. And also, Mookie Blaylock, as we all yeah, know, right. the uh, former NBA point guard, just uh, they upgraded him from critical to serious condition. Well, that's good. That's good, yeah. because last night it did not sound very good at all. No, unfortunately... What they're saying is uh, he might have suffered a seizure, crossed over, and uh, went head-on with another car. There were two people in a car, uh, husband and wife. Uh, the last name is Murphy, and the wife, Monica Murphy, unfortunately uh, passed away. So, Do, Oh, boy. Do we know, um, were the are his conditions from, as you and I suspected, perhaps maybe burn conditions? Is that uh, the issue? I don't know, Do know? but from I, – I honestly don't know, but from everything I've read that as soon as the car is hit, his car instantly bursts into flames. So I, I would I would have to guess that he would have some type of burns on him. Not sure if it's first, second, or third degree, but, um, you know, for him being in that much of a condition, you know, especially who knows what speed he was going when he hit the other car, uh, for it to go into flames like that, um, you know. Who knows, but, you know, definitely our prayers are uh, with Mookie Blay, like one of the uh, finer, po- you know, point guards in the 90s and somebody I always enjoyed watching him play. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming on and giving us those updates. Thanks very much, Jonathan. You got it, man. Enjoy the show, and uh, I'll be enjoying it from over here. You, <laughs> We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. Well, for those of you that don't know, uh, Jonathan and I had been – I think we got that posted up on on our respective Facebook pages last evening. Uh, Mookie Blaylock, uh, who played for many years in the NBA, I think he was uh, 46 years old. Unfortunately, right uh, last night, anyhow, was in the hospital uh, on life support as a result of a car accident. And there, you just got the updated report. So apparently, his condition has been upgraded somewhat, uh, albeit uh, still a serious situation. And that's very unfortunate. He was uh, I, I remember watching Mookie Blaylock play and uh he was he it was enjoyable to watch him let's take a look at what uh is happening around today in uh sports well lo and behold the nhl playoffs are going to kick back up again today uh with both the eastern and western conference finals beginning today both game ones uh los angeles uh is visiting uh chicago blackhawks uh that game uh, will begin at 5 p.m eastern time you can catch it on NBC Sports Network. Uh, and then at 8 p.m. this evening, over on NBC, uh, you have the Boston uh, Bruins, who will be visiting the Pittsburgh Penguins. Similarly, in the NBA, we have one game remaining uh, in those conference finals, as right now San Antonio is waiting on the winner of Miami and Indiana. Um, Indiana. Uh, Miami has uh, the lead in that series three games to two. And game six tonight at Indiana will be at 8.30 p.m., and you can catch that one on TNT. So we've got an exciting game six, kicking up at about the same time that we will be having NHL conference uh, playoffs going on. And uh, I can tell you we will have all of that going on over here at the frat house. All of that stuff will be on. Over in Major League Baseball, we have a couple of games that have just kicked off. Uh, One o'clock starts. We have the uh, Tampa Bay Rays going up against the uh, Cleveland Indians. 
110 start here, Seattle Mariners up against the Minnesota Twins. 115 start, you have the San Francisco Giants and the St. Louis Cardinals. And the St. Louis, that game, I believe, is a makeup game from last night because I believe that they postponed those games in St. Louis due to the inclement weather that they were having there and tornado warnings and what have you. So I think that that is a make-up game. All righty. Thanks for calling in to Fred House Saturday. What's on your mind? Hey, Mike. Hello. Sidekick, man. What's hey, going I on? Hey, thought, I thought so, Sidekick. I thought that was you, and that's why I wanted to I, – I brought your call in right now because I was just talking about that game that's going to be played there in St. Louis, uh, the Giants and the Cardinals game, that 115 game. Is that a makeup game from last night? Yes, that's the the makeup game from the camp uh, from the game that was canceled last night due to the uh, the severe weather that we had. So, right. and unfortunately, I haven't been able to find it on TV here to uh, to get it on the the regularly scheduled game for today would is the seven o'clock game. Seven o'clock, right? So, yes. So now uh, you were posting pictures. Last night, uh, there from St. Louis, of uh, the weather coming in, and uh, give us a report on what things were like uh, on that one, uh, Psychic. Well, I uh, ventured out this morning, uh, went to the gym and that, and uh, uh, basically, I don't know if you remember uh, where my yeah you know, where my mom's house is. There's that high, uh, Highway 364 right. that that goes down. Um, just on the other side of that is where we had a tornado last night, uh, a mile away from the house. Wow. Um, I went through the area, and there was a couple. I posted a picture of a development this morning um, where uh, the homes weren't so much damaged, but all the trees in that development were all blown over Wow. and cracked. Um, uh, I'm trying to find the video last night, but there's a high school uh that's uh, maybe half a mile from my mom's house going the other way from that highway um, where the guy posted a a video and it almost looks like there was two twisters that came through Um, because as he is, I'll I'll post it up later. uh, But basically as he pans across through the, the football field from the high school, which would be looking towards my mom's house towards that highway where those, the, the twister went through you'll actually, you can see almost two funnels okay. uh, that were down. Uh, so, you know, didn't realize last night when I was being, you know, such a, a crazy guy out, you know, dealing with the sirens going off, out take snapping pictures. Apparently shortly around there was when those tornado, you know, tornado or tornadoes uh, went through the area uh just on the, you know, and that's, you know, you see the the tornadoes in Oklahoma, the F5s. Yep. Yep. That, I mean, they just tear through everything. But also you have, you know, you have lower on the scale the, the F0s and the F1s where they may touch down and you'll, and it's, the damage is almost random. Like you'll see, you'll have a house or two that's just level, nothing but the, the slab left. But then the next two houses, there's nothing wrong. There may right. be a tree blown over, or there may, you know, but after, you know, completely spared. Um, now we don't have, uh, so far we haven't had the official. Uh, right. We're saying there's tornado, you know, there's video of, you know, funnel clouds. 
Um, but they're, you know, the weather service has to actually come out and classify, you know, look at the damage and stuff. And then from that, they classify whether it was actually a tornado, a microburst, straight wind, you know, straight line wind damage. Um, and then also, you know, if it was a tornado, what degree it was. So we're still waiting on that. Um, yeah, I was going to say one of the reports. Of, I was going to say one of the reports that I read this morning uh, from the St. Charles area uh, had indicated that they were still uncertain as to whether, in fact, it was a tornado. Correct. And there may have been multiple, or it may have jumped. Sometimes you'll see where they'll, you know, the the, the funnel will come down, do some damage, go back up, almost like leapfrog, you know, developments or towns, and then come back down and do more damage before right. ultimately, you know, dissipating away. So um, they're still out trying, you know, the the county here, uh, there's several places that are damaged uh, severely. Uh, the one family arena, um, there's damage. There's a Holiday Inn that was uh, damaged severely uh, up in Earth City. Earth City is where the Rams do their practice. Uh, there may have been damage to the Rams practice facility. So there are, you know, News reports are starting to come in as people are coming out, you know, and starting to survey the damage. Um, but it looks like here there's, you know, there's just some limbs blown around, mainly here in the development where my mom lives. You had a so report we, last. We it. You had a report last night uh, that you had put up uh, that there was a, a talk of casualties uh, at that Holiday Inn. Did that turn out to be right. incorrect? Um, I still don't know about uh I haven't heard. Initially I post initially it was the Holiday Inn in Nurse City and then they later changed the story. It was the Holiday Inn Express, which was on the the south side of the highway, on the other side of the highway, which is uh next to where the Rams uh uh training facility is. Right. Um and I haven't heard anything more about uh casualties or anything. Um one thing that I I haven't heard um, in the, in all the newscasts we've been watching, is there's been no talk of fatalities. Okay. Um, most of the stories I've heard of are, you know, people were in their basements and houses were collapsed. And they, their houses were collapsed on top. You know, people would come over and help people get out of basements and stuff. But I haven't heard of uh, any fatalities or anything like that. So that's uh, good news, obviously. Well, that is good news, uh, and I was mentioning at the top of the show, uh, not quite as good news in Oklahoma, where I think they had as many as five tornadoes touch down again, uh, and again, another right. one going right through the Moore area, uh, in which case I think right now they are indicating there's as many as nine deceased there as a result of the weather from last evening. And i got to tell you, Psychic, I was watching – the video of the Oklahoma situation last night on Nightline, and it was absolutely scary. Uh, at one point, there were actually two funnels coming down from the exact same um, uh, cloud, and both were running parallel to each other uh, uh, right through to Moore. Uh, it was just very, very uh, – and, and your pictures last night, uh, as that weather approached, I could not get over how black it got. Oh, it, it it does. I mean, you know, you saw how, you know, when we taped the show Thursday night, we had thunderstorms, mm-hmm. you know, and you could see through the, you know, the, the curtain out onto the patio, you could still see that there was some light filtering right. through. But last night, you know, when those clouds roll in, I mean, it goes from, 
you know, it goes from, you know, sunny or, you know, lightly overcast to just these black, ominous clouds. Yeah. And that, yeah. and it gets in also here here in St. Peter's when there's other uh weather around, it gets eerily quiet and still in the air here. Right. Wow. And that and where you can you can almost feel that something's going to happen. You know, and you know, usually something, you know, one of the neighboring areas you know, you'll hear about a tornado warning or a watch or something. The tornado and, is sucking all the air, the yeah. air out of surrounding areas. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear my mom. I did, where actually, she was yeah. saying, Okay, where, you know, it, it sucks all the energy out. It becomes like a vacuum. So, right, it becomes yes. like a vacuum, and it takes it into itself. Correct. Right. So oh. it, it was very strange. So... You know, now watching all the newscasts and everything, I'm realizing how much of an idiot I was last night out there parading around in the neighborhood. You know, uh, but we you all know, thought it was actually kick. we all thought it was actually kind of amusing. Um, uh, uh, I, I mean, at one point I said I I I can I've got pictures of you, you know, grasping onto a uh, a stop sign perpendicularly, you know, as as the as the winds are just shaking you around. Um, right. But. Uh, uh, call it bravery, there, sidekick. You know, doing the doing the good job of reporting correctly. That's all. Yep. So much for you know coming out to St. Louis and have a you know having a non-exciting trip. Yeah, really. You know. <laughs> really. Different kind of excitement. So. All right. Well, listen. I appreciate you calling in. Um, yep. I imagine you want to listen to the show, so I can put you back on hold if you wish. I'm actually I'm probably gonna go. I gotta we've got some stuff to do, so but I wanna right, call man. at least for a little bit. All right. We appreciate so. the report from uh, Saint Louis and we're very pleased to hear that you and Mrs. Sidekick's mom are uh, in good shape. Yep, we're doing great. All right, ma'am. All right, you take Talk care to you later. All right. All right, well there you got it. Uh, a couple of first hand reports that we've got. Jonathan calling in with some reports on some things happening in sports and sidekick calling there from Saint Louis with reports on what had happened uh, last evening uh, as weather moved through that region, as we saw as well in the Oklahoma area. Um, One of the things that I wanted to bring up real quick with regard to uh, some of the things that happened last evening in Major League Baseball, and I found this one to be, well, just kind of the way things are going, I guess, for the Washington Nationals. Uh, Steven Strasburg left uh, the game last night after pitching just two innings against the Atlanta Braves, he had pitched just 37 pitches, uh, left the game. Uh, Washington was leading that game at the time 2-1. to one. But, uh, again, uh, indicating that he had soreness and tightness in his throwing arm. Um, and, uh, wow, uh, that Washington team just can't seem to catch a break. Uh, and same same as well with uh, Steven Strasburg, it seems. So, uh, unfortunate situation there. Um Hopefully that does not turn out to be anything major uh, for Steven Strasburg. I really would love to see the kid get a full uh, season under his belt. I thought that would be uh, would be actually quite nice to see that happen. All right, three four seven two three seven five three seven three. If there's anything on your mind with regard to sports, I'd be more than happy to take your calls and uh, and give you some time to chat about it. You heard me bring up the situation with uh, Tim Tebow with uh, Jonathan. And I bring it up for all of your consideration as well. 
and I, I throw this out there right away, right from the start, and that is to say that I really don't have an opinion on Tim Tebow one way or another. I wouldn't say that I'm a big fan. I wouldn't say that I'm a hater. I really just don't have an opinion about the kid at all. And note, I did say kid because this guy's only been in the league three years, being drafted in 2010. And uh, I, I, I'm i going to throw a couple of questions out there. Number one, the first question, I have, I have been asking this for the better part of about, I guess, two, two and a half years. Why, why, why is Tim Tebow such a polarizing character? Why? I do not understand it. I mean, it is not like he's a a guy that's out on the town all the time, constantly making headlines, constantly doing outrageous or or ridiculous things. He's a very, very quiet, uh, almost humble sort. And yet, he is incredibly, incredibly polarizing. I find that people either like him or they hate him, and I don't get it. So if you've got some thoughts on that, I would love to hear those. But when you – forgetting all of that and just going to what has occurred recently where, of course, the Jets now have cut Tebow and he's sitting out there as a, as a quarterback that would be available to play on any other team – um, you get the report that Jonathan and I talked about that came from David Fleming of ESPN, who did a profile on Tebow, indicating that, uh, in fact, he has difficulty with the mental part of the game. And I feel that Fleming's comments are irresponsible and uh, certainly not in any way beneficial to Tim Tebow. Fleming cites a number of different things, including going back and citing the Wonderlick test, which, again, if I'm not mistaken, that particular test has been eliminated from any consideration for football players. I know that at one point it was used uh, as some sort of a barometer during uh, uh, combines and things like that. I don't believe it's used, or if it is used, it has been used only modestly and has pretty much been placed on the back burner as any kind of major barometer for determining an athlete's abilities or quality as 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 an athlete and as a player on a football team. So even if it is still being used uh, during the combine situation, the vast majority of coaches and teams, I think, have pretty much relegated it to being a minor uh, issue. But Fleming uh, takes a great extent in going in and discussing his score on the uh, Wonderlick test, which, if if in fact, uh, if in fact coaches are not using it as a major barometer, I don't know why Fleming would feel that he should be using it. Fleming also goes on to indicate that uh, Tebow was diagnosed with dyslexia as a child, while forms of dyslexia vary. For Tebow, the learning disability can affect the way he reads playbooks or game plans. Well, I've got something to tell Mr. Fleming, and that is, hey, first of all, buddy, I'm a dyslexic myself. And if you knew anything about dyslexia, you would realize that the vast majority of people who are diagnosed with dyslexia, in fact, have an IQ that is actually higher than average. I can state that because I'm a dyslexic. So I, I think 
his comments are just absolutely uh, ridiculous and irresponsible. Those comments that were taken from that ESPN profile have been run in numerous, numerous sources, excuse me, and on other websites. Um, Another report came out last night, report Tim Tebow's camp privately admitting his NFL career is over. And throughout this report, uh, all through it, are quotes from David Fleming. Ah. Tebow then, uh, apparently, uh, members of his camp, uh, in a report that was out this morning in USA Today, uh, members of uh, people who are around him are close to Tim Tebow, have vehemently denied the fact that Tebow has, in fact, given up any hope on getting a position or a job in the NFL uh, or, or ever playing a quarterback uh, in the NFL uh, again. Um, as I pointed out, I am not a big, big Tim Tebow fan. I will tell you right now, I, I wouldn't even consider putting him on my fantasy team. Nonetheless, as Jonathan just pointed out when we were talking there earlier, Tim Tebow, you cannot deny the fact that the guy is athletic, that he's got abilities. The question is whether he has the ability as a quarterback. Now, I'm willing to entertain that perhaps maybe quarterback would, might not be the right position for Tim Tebow. I have been on record as indicating that I think Tebow would make an outstanding uh, uh, tight end. And I wish that Tebow would acquiesce a bit and consider for a moment perhaps making changes in that area. Perhaps maybe opening it up to teams to say, hey, I'll play anywhere. I I remember during this past season in New York, he apparently came out numerous times and said – uh, to Ryan over there that he would play anywhere. He made public comments to that effect. He would play anywhere that the Jets needed him to play. So it would seem to me that if he's made those comments in the past, he would be willing to do that again. There have been conflicting reports that, in fact, he's insistent that he must be, he must play quarterback. Um, so I don't know whether that's actually the case or not. Bottom line is this. This guy was only drafted three years ago. He is far too young to be considering retiring. And he's got ability, whether you like him or not. He's got ability. To be making comments that the guy uh, can't play the position, he really has never been given a chance. He certainly wasn't given a chance in New York. We know that. And really, when it, I mean, take a look at it over in Denver. He really only played a half a season. So I, I, I just think that it is completely unfair for people to be making comments and characterizations as they are, particularly Mr. Fleming, with regard to Tim Tebow. I think it is completely unfounded, as I said, and I'll say it again, irresponsible and just unfair to Tim Tebow. Let Tebow make his own decisions. Don't be going out there and putting comments out there that potentially would affect the mindset of people that might be looking at him for a potential position on their team. Mr. Fleming, you're irresponsible. I'm sorry. All righty. I want to bring to you uh, this week's, as uh, we always do, and that is the purpose behind Frat House Saturday here on Fan Junkies Radio Network. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to bring to you uh, this week's 
five minutes of the right half. This is number 91. And uh, what you're getting here is you're going to be getting the audio side of this between Sidekick and myself. And you're going to, you know, you just heard Sidekick talking. Uh, we shot this video on Thursday night, as we usually do. This, however, is one of those videos, and I've pointed this out before, uh, that while you're going to hear the audio portion of it, uh, frequently you miss things if you don't actually go and take a look at the video. If there was ever one of our five minutes productions that you would want to see, it would be this one. Because this is a very, very, very different looking five minutes at the frat house. First of all, Sidekick was not here, as you just heard. He is in St. Louis. So he could not be here with us at the frat house. So what we did was we uh, got him to come on with us via Skype. So that's the first thing that's a little bit different. But if you go and take a look at this one, you'll see, and if you've watched any of our other videos, you will notice immediately how different this one is in in just about every manner uh, of of the way it looks versus some of the others. And uh, that's why I say you really, really, if there's ever one that you want to go and take a look at, it would be this one. What normally takes about two and a half to three hours uh, post-production editing, this week took about seven hours. So uh, that gives you an idea of uh, how very different this one is. So I'm going to be bringing that to you. Uh, during that time, obviously, as, I, as usual, I will not be taking any phone calls. But uh, once it is concluded uh, playing, I will come back in with you for a couple of moments, and I'd be more than happy to hang around with anybody here. Uh, if you'd like to give us a call, uh, have something on your mind, want to respond to something perhaps that I've talked about here or something you heard in this week's Five Minutes at the Frat House, uh, please uh, don't hesitate to give me a holler. I'll take your phone calls once uh, this audio rebroadcast has concluded. And our number again here is 347-237-5373. Um, where can you find our videos? Well, very simple. Two places you can Simply go over to YouTube, type in Five Minutes at the Frat House, and you'll find all 123 of our videos over there. Uh, or you can go over to frathousesports.net, which is our own website. Alrighty, so let me bring to you uh, this week's Five Minutes at the Frat House number 91. Welcome back to a very different looking five minutes at the Fred House with Fred House Mike and Sidekick. And different, well, the first thing that's different here is obviously Sidekick's not on set with us. No, Sidekick, you're coming to us from your hometown there in St. Louis. How many miles away are you from us? Uh, what is that, about 800, I think. How many? 750 to 800, I think oh, it is. Oh, is that all it is? Okay, I thought it was more than that. All right. Well, it's about a 14, 15 hour drive. Yeah, right. We, we've so. done it. We've we, we, we've done yep. that one. Uh, yes, we have. But it, the beauty of technology, Sidekick, you're joining us via Skype. Uh, and in fact, you took that trip, Sidekick, uh, to be with Mrs. Sidekick's mom, who, well, it, it, for some of our fans, she's actually become kind of a fan favorite. Yeah, to be with her uh, little little hospital visit, I understand, huh? Yep. Everything's yeah, good? Yeah, we had, had a little surgery yesterday, so uh, she came home today. She's doing well. All right. So. All right. Well, listen, let her know for uh, from all of us here at the Fred House that we wish, wish the best to Mrs. Sidekick's mom. We And listen, we appreciate nonetheless that uh, you're making it on the show despite the fact you're seven, 800 miles away from us. Uh, once again, proving to all of you out there 
that we are the most consistent internet-based <laughs> sports talk shows as we embark here on our 91st straight week. And make no mistake, we have not missed a show yet. We let nothing get in the way. All right. <laughs> He's even sitting there in the middle of potential tornado warnings. <laughs> yep, we've got tornado warnings here in St. Louis. <laughs> Uh, what do you say, Sidekick? We kick it off uh, by going down and taking a look at the Coca-Cola 600 uh, that was run this past uh, Sunday evening down at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Um, and as you pointed out, uh, it, this 12th race of the season is the longest of the year, going 600 miles in 400 laps. And in a race that saw 24 lead changes, 11 cautions, average speeds of nearly 131 miles per hour, and a mere 13 drivers out of 43 completing the full 400 laps, one would think that this would have been a tight, tense, taunts racing event, but, well, we'll talk about that one in a couple of moments. In the end, how did it actually turn out? Well, after leading just 28 laps, and the, the last 10 of those of the race, Kevin Harvick won his 21st Sprint Cup race uh, and his second of the season. Others who came in the top five included uh, 161-lap leader Casey Kane came in second. Kurt Busch, huh, we're, we're mentioning him every week. Kurt Busch, uh, with yep. his third top five uh, this season, came in third. Denny Hamlin came in fourth. And Joey Lugano was fifth. Oh, and Danica finished 29th. <laughs> there we go. We always have to bring up. Our exactly. weekly Danica update. Well, listen, you're you're buying right into what everybody else in the media wants. Now to we do. haven't looked at the Sprint Cup standings leaderboard in a few weeks, so how did this race affect things? Well, not all that much, as you're going to see. Uh, the one, two, three spots haven't changed at all, as Jimmy Johnson right. stays at number one, as does Carl Edwards at number two, and Matt Kansas at number three. However, now we've got Clint Boyer uh, moves up to the number four spot. And Casey Kane, um, with his top five, uh, moves up to the number five, moving Dale Jr. now down to six. Other uh, other movements, uh, sidekick. And well, the biggest losers of the weekend were uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Brad Keselowski uh, down three spots, and uh, Kyle Busch due to that engine failure and uh, cable wire mishap, yep. uh, he dropped three spots as well. Yep. Uh, biggest movers this week are uh, Martin Truex Jr., who jumped up five spots, and uh, Kevin Harvick, who jumped up three spots and moved up into uh, the sixth spot on the uh, top ten. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, uh, big one for Harvick, and, of course, that being his second win also helped him out considerably. Uh Let's get into the sidebar, uh, some of the sidebar stories uh, that surrounded uh, this race, uh, Psychic. And let's start it off with something that you just made reference to a moment ago, and that was uh, the Fox aerial camera and cable lines that came down on the track around lap uh, 122. Uh, this is one of those robotic-type cameras that is controlled on cables to provide uh, overhead shots. And we've seen these cameras used by Fox. At, uh, and other networks at things like NFL games and even indoor, uh, indoors during basketball games. As the cables came down, it managed to get intertwined uh, with multiple vehicles, uh, including some extensive damage, as you just pointed out, done to Kyle Busch's number 18. Uh, it also caused minor injuries to about 10 fans, 
uh, and caused a 26-minute delay in the race as NASCAR red-flagged activities and allowed for uh, what was kind of an unprecedented 15-minute-per-team stoppage to perform any kind of pit activities they deemed appropriate. Uh, Sidekick, give me your thoughts on, uh, on this mishap. Uh, and any kind of updates that you might have picked up on uh, on this uh, since Sunday? Um, well, uh, as we mentioned uh, on Fan Junkies Radio on Monday, uh, Fox has uh, suspended. Sorry, mine just went black. Yeah, suspended, suspended use of the camera. Sorry. Right. Uh, suspended use of the camera for uh, the foreseeable future while they investigate what was going on with that cable. Um, you know. Uh, the teams were given the 15 minutes uh, to work on their cars. Uh, you know, uh, Kyle Busch, Mark Martin uh, were the most heavily damaged. Right. NASCAR did did in, uh, inspect every vehicle that was on the track mm-hmm. uh, for damage and then consulted with the teams to decide what they were going to do as far as, you know, this unprecedented 15 minutes where you were allowed to work on the car, uh, which I think was a good thing. Part of the problem, though, with that was they couldn't, uh, they didn't have enough officials to look at the vehicles to say, hey, they're performing stuff that wasn't right. uh, due to the accident. Right. So you kind of had 15 minutes to work on your vehicle, and that helped out some people that had very minimal damage on their vehicles. Sure. So, but, you know, but unfortunately, you know, it, it you know, it's one of those fluke things. It's right. uh, like uh, Montoya hitting the jet dryer last year. You know, you probably won't see this in another 500 races where a cable fails like this. So it, it you know, kind of, you know, from a fantasy's perspective, really, really hurt a lot of our teams. Um, you know, I know, you know, Uncle Mark and I uh, both, you know, but uh, got dinged really bad uh, due, to, due to the cable failure. Um, but it's one of those things that, you know, it's a fluke. It just happens. Right. Now let me ask you real quick. Uh, could there be any potential... I, you know, for want of a better word, liability that comes out of this? I mean, it's Fox's camera. Obviously, they must have had some sanctioning from NASCAR to use them. They've been using them. I, like you, kind of feel that it's, well, what, an act of God, if you want to call it that, a fluke thing, one in a million type of accident. But potentially, do you see that there could be any kind of liability coming out of this? Well, I think that depends on the investigation that, done and what eventually comes out of that investigation. I'm sure, uh, you know, some people, you know, some folks may try some sort of uh, lawsuit, uh, but I think that, you know, the tracks, you know, it's kind of a, while you don't sign a waiver, it's kind of, uh, you know, understood that, you know, you're at your own risk at the track. Okay, now you're talking, uh, about, you're talking about the fans. Fan-wise, yes. Okay, you're talking about fan-wise. I'm talking about even, too, any potential liability coming from teams, et cetera, with regard to this sort of thing. Or is that just an indemnified situation anyhow? Because, well, for God's sake, I mean, the drivers are in cars and it's being broadcast. I mean, everybody's indemnified, right? Right. Yeah, I I don't know if there's any any recourse for any of the teams in this, you know. Um, Unfortunately, you know, from a a fan's perspective – you know, the fact that, you know, Kurt Busch was running so well, he was leading the race when that happened, him right. and uh, Mark Martin. And, you know, it kind of dashes your hopes as a fan, and you kind of get a little pissed off about it, you right. know. Sure. Uh, but there really is, you know, I mean, what's the odds? 
of a, exactly. you know, a cable. You know, it's almost like a, something out of a Final Destination movie or something, you know. <laughs> Uh, Fox concludes their NASCAR broadcast coverage uh, following this coming week, ironically enough, and then it's picked up by TNT, ESPN, and ABC as we progress through the season. Do you think any of these other networks will suspend the use of the robotic drone-type cameras as well? Or do you think that they're going to say, hey, that's Fox's problem. Don't worry about our equipment. We're going to be good. I don't see... Now, uh, the story I read was reported on NASCAR.com about the suspension of the camera, and I'm not 100% sure if that's going to be NASCAR policy or if that's Fox policy. It was right. kind of unclear uh, in the report. Um, I would I would gather to say that they're, if they are used, it's under more scrutiny, mm-hmm. um, but you may not see them. So, um, And unfortunately, we're going to TNT Broadcasting. Uh, you remember the debacle that was last year with all the commercials that were run. Uh, yeah. So I, I kind of miss when uh, Fox Fox stops their I uh, broadcasting. I agree with you more. Uh, listen, another conversation point I wanted to bring up, uh, Sidekick, was that I took in both the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 on Sunday. And the Indy 500 was quite exciting. Uh, perhaps with the exception of the final lap uh, that was run under caution. You know, frankly, I think Indy needs to fix that sort of problem. But in the Indy 500, we saw 14 leaders and a record-setting 68 lead changes. Contrary, over in NASCAR, we had six of the race's 11 cautions coming in the final 100 laps, which was the last quarter of the race. Even Uncle Mark commented on this race on our Frat House Sports Facebook page, and Well, we don't have the graphics, but look, I've just made an executive decision. I'm making his comment, our Frat House Sports Facebook post of the week, where he wrote, last night's race was completely upside down. Instead of the last 50 laps being the most exciting and competitive, they turned out to be laborious and tedious, almost to boring. Victory came at relief rather than reward for me as a fan. Conversely, at midpoint of the event, the action was fast and clean, at the end, I was simply exhausted by flags, wrecks, and restarts. Sidekick, was this race just a blip of tedium, as uh, Mark pointed out, or is it just too long? Uh, th- this one going four hours and 36 minutes. Well, you know, we like we said, this is the longest race of the season. Uh, thankfully, we only have one 600-mile race. Um, so the race in itself, you know, being 600 miles, is a – you know, a long race to, uh, you know, sit and have to watch. Um, and as I pointed out on last week's show when we were talking about the uh, fantasy, um, you know, you'll uh, – you have attrition creep in once you hit over that 500 mark. Like you saw Kyle Bush's motor blow. Uh, you'll have uh, transmissions and different things break, and that kind of leads into uh, within that last 100 miles some of those cautions and uh, things like that. Um, so it does kind of drag out. I mean, if you look at every NASCAR race, the last part of the race always kinds of drags out anyway, because you right. have all the cautions. You, that's when you have your wrecks, right. you know, and stuff like that. Some races are a little more, uh, exciting as far as the racing and, you know, lead changes and who, who's trying to get up front, things like that. Um, then you throw in the wrecks and the cautions, um, and then other times you have, like we saw at the All-Star Race, 
where Jimmy Johnson just took off after that last segment and didn't look back. And it was at that point, it was boring and academic. Yeah, well, um, right. You're right. You know, and I. So it can go both you know, ways. It can go both ways. Right, and I, you know, some races are more exciting than other races. Um, and if you take one race from year to year, you'll see differences. Sometimes there's somebody that's just dominant and just runs away with the race, and it becomes boring. And then you have other times when no one's really dominant, and you've got a lot of people fighting for the lead. Or you've got a couple people that are dominant that are fighting for the lead. Okay, so then uh, you would not necessarily be in favor of changing this from, say, a 600-mile race to a 500-mile race. No, this is the only one on on the you know, on the, the schedule. So um, I kind of like like it. Um, but, you know, yes, it, unfortunately, there are some instances where it can get boring. Right. So. All right. Well, no 600-mile race coming up this coming weekend as we're heading down to the Monster Mile for race number 13 at Dover International uh, Speedway. Coverage, uh, <laughs> excuse me, coverage of that will be uh, the last, as I pointed out, uh, this season for Fox Sports. Uh, and that can be seen at uh, 1 p.m. on uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday. So uh, we need some fantasy suggestions, sidekick. And, uh, well, we're not giving you any kind of a pass simply because you're out of town. So help us Absolutely out here. Absolutely not. Help us out here. We need, we need some help on our fantasy picks. All right, uh, we're, so we're going to uh, the Monster Mile after that wacky race we had up there in Charlotte last week. Uh, so we're going down to Dover to the Mile Track. Uh, we're going to go short tracking. Uh, this is actually a kind of neat track I like to go to. Um, that aside, let's get to the picks. Uh, so this week, we're going to want uh, Jimmy Johnson. He's got four wins, and he's uh, only been outside the top ten once in the last nine races at Dover. Uh, he's got a total of seven wins at Dover. He is one of the most expensive drivers on the uh, yep. on fantasy at twenty eight dollars. Yep. Uh, then we're going to throw in Mister Bad Luck Kyle Busch, who just yeah. you know started off hot at the beginning of the season and has kind of cooled off and kind of had a gremlin, uh, I guess, following him around. Uh, so hopefully he can rebound this week. Uh, he's got two wins and ten top tens at this track. Uh, he, his current rate is twenty-seven twenty-five. Then we're going to go throw cousin Carl, Carl Edwards, in there. Uh, he's finished in the top ten uh, twelve times over seventeen starts, and has finished better than he has started fourteen times. And the reason I bring that up is because that is one of the uh, criteria for points in fancy NASCAR. Excuse me. Um, is uh, your uh, place differential right. is, which is you know where you finish versus where you start the race. He's had a terrific uh, season so far too. Yep. Well, he, he's sitting in second place right now. Yep. Terrific season. So, um, uh, he is sitting at twenty four fifty. Uh, and then we're gonna fill out the roster with some some old standbys that you know uh, you're familiar with hearing me pick every week. Uh, Bobby Labonte. Uh, he's got one win and fourteen top tens on this track. Uh, he's 10.25 and is a good cap value. Okay. And then also we're going to throw in Regan Smith, who's racing the 51. We've talked about the 51 several times this season about being the the little team that could. Uh, and he's going for 10 dollars. 
that takes our roster total to the max limit of $100. There you go, and you can count on Sidekick to get it right there, right there every single time. Oh. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see how those turn out. All right. All right, let's go take a look at, uh, well, what's happening out in Major League Baseball because, well, my gosh, it certainly feels like it, doesn't it, Sidekick? I mean, you're sitting over there in 80s out there in St. Louis, and then we're sitting here in 90s. Um, yep. And uh, li- listen, while we got you, I, I got to ask the question. I mean, you are out there in St. Louis. You're in your hometown. Any chance you're going to get to see your Cardinals? Uh, I'm going to try to see if I can get to a game while I'm out here. I mean, you know, because, uh, you know, uh, my team's doing just moderately better than your team. Yeah, well, that's uh, what I'm saying. You know, I'm, I'm in the market, you know, with some real fans out here and uh, a real baseball oh, team. Oh, man. <laughs> well, now listen though. You, you know what you got to do. You know what you got to do if you're out there to uh, to to, to uh, Cardinal Stadium, Bush, Bush Stadium, right? So-called Bush Stadium. Bush, yep. Bush Stadium. Okay. Uh, make sure you're posting stuff up on the Frat House Sports Facebook page. Oh, right? absolutely. You know right. I will. And keep us keep us informed about what's happening in if you're able to get to one. But yep, let me tell. Uh, go ahead. Oh, no. We've got the the Royals are finishing up a four game uh, trip here yes. uh, tonight, and right. then we've got the Giants, San Francisco Giants, coming in next week, uh, along with the uh, the Arizona D bags. Yep, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that Cinderella Cardinals team coming or uh, a Royals team coming up here in my notes in a in a couple of moments in some of my stories that are coming up. That Cinderella team that I had, you guys have done. Done the, done, done the work on them, for sure. Um, let me tell everyone, though, that's out there, uh, make sure you get over and uh, get over to our good friends over there at clw83.com and check out Sidekick's national debut on Jim Williams' Touch em All baseball podcast. I listened to that today, Sidekick. Uh, terrific, terrific job you did there. I, I heard it today yep. while I was putting all the notes together. For today's show, everybody else, you got to get out there. Make sure you get a listen. CLW83.com. Go ahead. Had them guys in stitches. Yeah, you did. You certainly <laughs> the, did. Uh, the the Cocoa Crisp Chia Pet head. That they didn't believe me. Which goes all the way back to a goofy story that we brought right here on 5 Minutes of the Frat House last year. Wait, yep. Great stuff. I love the way you tied that all together. Good job. Uh, listen, in the meantime, though. Uh, let's get around real quick, and uh, we'll take a look at the Major League Baseball division uh, leaders as they stand right now. And over in the American League, well, things are changing just a little bit here and there. Some teams cooling off, some teams warming up. And let's start it off in the AL East, where you got the Boston Red Sox are now one game. Now, hey, Boston Red Sox, now a game ahead of the New York Yankees. In the AL East, I have a feeling that one's just going to go back and forth, back and forth for a little while. In the Central, it's now the Detroit uh, Tigers, a game and a half in front of the cooling Cleveland Indians. Wasn't it just 10 days ago, two weeks ago, sidekick, we were talking about the Cleveland Indians being one of the hottest teams in baseball. Who would have thunk it? Uh, In the West, the Texas Rangers have dropped off a bit. And now the Oakland A's, who have gone 9-1, in their last ten, uh, and now the Rangers are just two games in front of the A's. In yeah, the Rangers have. Go ahead. The, the Rangers have cooled off. Uh, they're five and five out of their last ten. Yep. So, and and the A's seem to have the hot potato now. Uh, like you said, nine and one in their last ten. 
Well, and that's, you know, in my opinion, that's a sign of a good team. When they can capitalize on another team cooling off and they pull ahead or at least get a little bit closer in the standings, and that's exactly what Oakland has done. Uh, there, were a lot of, there were a lot of analysts that were saying Oakland may, in fact, when, you know, when, when Texas had built up that lead the way that they had, that, that might have been Oakland, you know, that might have been done. But you can see that's going to continue to be a race out there in the AL West. In the National League, the Atlanta Braves continue to maintain their four-and-a-half game uh, lead over the Washington Nationals. Uh, and talking about your St. Louis Cardinals, they currently have the best record in baseball and are two-and-a-half games in front of the Cincinnati Reds in the Central. Yep, and, and the, they're eight. They're eight and two over their last ten games. Yep. So, uh, so thanks to the Royals. Thanks to the Royals, right? And again, <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a couple of moments. And in the West, you brought up the uh, Arizona D-backs a moment ago. Uh, they're still two and a half games in front of both the Colorado Rockies and San Francisco Giants out there in the NL West. And that's which we may see. Which, you know, with them both both teams coming to St. Louis next week, uh, we may see some moving around with uh, you got that uh, Colorado, or I'm sorry, San Francisco and Arizona. You got so that we'll, next week when we do the show, we'll have to see how the standings are. Well, uh, or, or it could go the other direction, Sidekick, in which case, if those guys come out and play really well against your St. Louis Cardinals, well, we might be starting to see a good deal of movement going on in the Central Division. If, if right, St. Yeah. Louis goes on a skid. And St. Louis, or I'm sorry, the Reds need to start winning. They've been uh, they've been losing here, yep. so yep. that's that's been helping out a little bit. All right. Well, despite the new kind of uh, look and format, and well, who knows? This might be kind of a precursor of what we have planned for you coming up in year three, because we're coming up on our third anniversary in early September. This might be a precursor of what you can expect as far as uh, some changes that we've got in the works. Um, no, I won't be on Skype. No, he will not be on Skype all the time. But uh, despite all that, and yes, well, maybe we don't have the benefit of all the things we normally have. Nonetheless, let's go take a look at some screwy stories. Huh, Sidekick, what do you say? We take a look at some screwy stories? Yep, you got some good ones this week. <laughs> You're not kidding. Let's go take a look at those. It's time again for Frat House Mike's Screwball Story. We saw a terrific example of gentlemanly patriotism uh, that was displayed on uh, Sunday during the Cleveland Indians and Boston Red Sox game. Uh, in the seventh inning, Michael Bourne was thrown out stealing uh, to end the top of the hat. Uh, he argued with the second base umpire, Tom Hallen. Then Tannery Francona came out to argue as well. Well, suddenly, Francona had to step back took his hat off, and put his hand over his heart as God Bless America was being sung. Quickly, Bourne and Hallian followed his cue, uh, turning towards the flag in center field, said Francona, I told Hallian, I came out here to yell at you. Now I have to honor America with you. (laughs) (laughs) And if you watch the video, the video is just hilarious. it's priceless. It's absolutely priceless. Yeah. What's the best way to win an argument, or for a ref to win an argument? Start playing the national, or the God Bless America. God Bless America, or any of them, for that matter. Something that's just going to have to make you stop. But, you know, they continued kind of bickering at each other a little bit, even with their hats off a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, they were kind of nudge-nudging each other. Great stuff, great stuff. 
We talked about the uh, dilemma they have in Houston with the aging, rusting, and empty Houston Astrodome. Uh, the biggest concern they have is the cost in raising the once state-of-the-art Coliseum. Uh, however, city officials realize uh, they're going to have to, sooner or later, they're going to have to bite the bullet. However, some are fighting that fate and, in fact, uh, citing its historical perspective. James Glassman, a Houston preservationist, calls the Astrodome the city's Eiffel Tower and the physical manifestation of Houston's soul. Huh? New York could afford to tear down old Yankee Stadium, Glassman said, because the city had hundreds of other signature landmarks. Not Houston. The technological marvel of the Astrodome put a young, yearning city on the global map. There was a confidence of space-age, Camelot-era optimism, and we were right there. Are we seriously putting the Houston Astrodome in the same category as the Eiffel Tower? I mean, for real. Uh, seriously? Come well, on, you know, man. <laughs> you know why they're making a big ado out of the Astrodome, right? Go ahead. It's because, it, it's because the Astros suck. <laughs> you know, they're 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 remembering the heyday, you know, of of the Astros. That's why they, you know, they don't want to get rid of the stadium, oh, you know, because as soon as that stadium goes, they'll have no memories of what it was like to have a real freaking football team or a baseball, baseball team. team. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Oh. Um, and I, I mean, I remember growing up as a kid hearing about the Astrodome all the time and stuff like that. Um, and I do think it's kind of a, a landmark. But you know, we had Bush Stadium, the old Bush Stadium, Vet Stadium in Philadelphia. They've all been imploded in their parking lots now. Yep. So you know. Uh, you kind of got to do away with the old and, you know, go with the new. And maybe while they're imploding the stadium, they should put the baseball team in there. Wow. Uh, you know, part of the issue here, of course, too, is the cost that it's going to cost the city to actually take that thing down. It, uh, apparently, we're, right. we're talking tens of millions of dollars to take that sure. stadium down, which may right. actually be okay. – it may actually be costing them more now to take it down than it actually did to construct that stadium. So. Oh sure, and you've got you've, you're wasting all that mun, mun, municipal money on just keeping the stadium there. Here we I go mean, if again. They could, if they could come up with a viable uh, option, option, you know, plan to to yeah. refurbish it and use it as a convention center or something, you know, monster truck pulls or something, you know, yeah, post it in there, you know, then then sure, you know, retrofit it. You know, and and keep the thing. But apparently, um, you know, see if you those... can find somebody. See if you can find somebody that you know, corporate or otherwise, that'll you know, willing to put some money in, and you know, uh, help save it. But you know, ultimately, I you know, the thing needs to come down. Yeah, apparently though, they've looked into all of you know, they've exhausted all of those options. The cost involved in in apparently bringing this thing up to code even would be astronomical. So, uh, I think it's. Just got to. We've got to see its day where it comes to the ground. Yep. And uh, stay tuned to five minutes at the frat house. As soon as they implode that thing, we'll post the video. You got that one right. You got that one right. <laughs> frat house sports over on Facebook. There you go. Uh, rookie Minnesota Twins outfielder Chris Colabello got his first major league hit the other evening. 
congrats to him. But uh, you got to wonder whether the hit actually should count since Calabello uh, inadvertently wore the wrong Twins jersey. Uh, Calabello wore the dark blue jersey that read Twins across the front, while the rest of his teammates, and when I say the rest, I mean all of them, were wearing the Minnesota dark blue jerseys. (laughs) this brings a couple of questions to mind, Psychic. Uh, and I'm going to pose them to you. I'm going to pose them to you in this order. Number one, are there just too damn many alternate jerseys in Major League Sports all the way around? That's number one. Number two, is this more the fault of the equipment manager than Calabello? Number three, was this a rookie prank? I mean, uh, one of his teammates didn't notice he was wearing the wrong jersey and would have said something to him? Um And number four, in a league where just yesterday, actually, Major League Baseball banned a pair of cleats worn by Orioles outfielder Adam Jones for being out of uniform, should the Twins be fined? Uh, What what do you make of all this? They're handing out fines for that kind of thing. And I think it was a rookie prank, probably. The equipment manager may have been in it. So. Interesting point. Interesting point. It was kind of funny, though. And you can see the picture right there. All righty. Uh, I promised you a Kansas City Royal story. No Miami Marlins story this week, but we will go with a Kansas City Royal story. My Cinderella team for the, the year. The Kansas City Royals have found their way back to mediocrity, now sitting in the basement of the AL Central with a 21-29 record. But uh, outside of Kansas City proper, I would bet not too many people uh, could possibly even name the Royals' manager. Well, maybe not even inside of Kansas City proper. Uh, as we saw the other day, Royals' manager Ned Yost decided spontaneously to stop by the Kansas City Chiefs' practice facility during the OTAs. Wanted to introduce himself to new head coach Andy Reid. While jogging, uh, Yost said he thought about dropping by the Chiefs' office to say hi uh, to Andy Reid when he noticed. Uh, helmeted players. I stopped to see what was going on, Yo said, and uh, boom, here came security. I almost got arrested for taking a peek at the Chiefs doing their minicamp. They surrounded me with security. I'm not going to sell any secrets. Uh, they were fine once they figured out who I was. Question for his psychic, is anybody in Kansas City going to know who Ned Yost is much longer? <laughs> I guess not. I mean, take a look at where they've gone at this point. I mean, frankly, I think. Yep. But, but uh, and selling secrets from Andy Reid is that a big, big deal? Huh? Really? Uh, a word of advice next time for uh, Mr. Yost: bring a ham sandwich. Oh, there you go, bingo! Boom, boom. <laughs> Wish we had the sound drop tonight. I know. Alrighty, sidekick, the uh, NBA is coming down to the conference finals at this point. I mean, we're nearing the end as we can see it. Uh, and we, in fact, we even already know who one of the contenders uh, will be. So uh, this is your time to shine, baby. Uh, bring us uh-huh. the NBA update, huh? All right, NBA update. Uh, well, in the West, we had the uh, San Antonio Spurs up against the Memphis Grizzlies. And as we know now, uh, the Spurs have dispatched of the Cinderella, Memphis Grizzlies, uh, four games, nothing, swept them out. Uh, They now await the winner of the East, uh, Miami 
uh, Heat and the Indiana Pacers, who are tied at two and two. Uh, as we discussed, uh, you know, coming into Indiana, Miami uh, took Game Three. Uh, Mike, you were kind of uh, upset about their yeah, about that loss. Yep. Um, but like I was say, you know, it said. You know, um, hopefully the the Pacers come back for Game Four and and equal the series back up, which they have done. Uh, game Five is tonight. Yep. Uh, it'll be starting here a little over half an hour on TNT. Yep. Uh, game Six uh, will be Saturday at eight thirty, and uh, if there's a Game Seven, uh, that will be on Monday. Yeah, and uh, you know, you, uh, I'm going to throw it out there. I mean, let me be on record uh, here, right here. But I, I was on record with Fan Junkies Radio. Uh, look, uh, Miami won the first game. They won it in overtime by only one point. Indiana came back. They won the second game in Miami. Yay. All right. That was terrific. They took one away from Miami. Game three, they gave it away. So I kicked. They got blown out at home. And that's what disappointed me. What, 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 what I was so upset about was the fact that Indiana, in my opinion, should have had their A game ready to go for game three. You have already taken a game from Miami at home. You had to stick it to them there. Now, mercifully, the other night they came back. They did win game four at their own home. But now the series is tied. And really, when it comes right down to it, they still have to win one more yet at Miami. Do they have that chance tonight? Right now, Miami is a, uh, is a favorite by seven and a half. Um, you know, given, given what we've seen so far out of the Pacers, uh, I you know, going into Miami, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull out this game, and I think they're going to go down three games to two. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I just don't think they have all the energy uh, to keep up with the Heat, and that's why we're, you know, we're we're kind of seeing. It. You know, we saw, uh, you know, game one they played a really close game, went to overtime. Uh, they were able to get game two, right. uh, and then kind of fell on their face in game three. And that's when we started questioning, do they have what it takes to beat the Heat? Right. Um, they came back in game four, though. And, you know, as we said, it was funny because they're at home, but yet we're talking about can they steal a game four from Miami, um, which they were able to do. Uh, so, you know, I think they're, it, they are going to be the stiffest competition for the Heat so far yep. in the playoffs. Um, yep. I'd like to see them go on. Um, I want to see the heat out, uh, but I, you know, I don't know if they can keep up with the, the physicality and everything of the heat. Yeah. Now, one thing that helped them uh, pick up Game Four was the fact that LeBron fouled out. Yeah, well, there's been a and, lot of controversy about that, but go ahead. <laughs> so, well, I'm just, you know, and so he wasn't available, the, you know, the last couple minutes. So, you know, maybe that's a game plan now for the Pacers, uh, try to get LeBron in foul trouble and get him out of the game so that they, you know, it's a little bit easier for them. Well, there's so. no doubt about it that Indiana is playing them tougher defensively than I think they have seen so far in this playoffs. I would agree with you. I do not think that Indiana has enough to beat them. I'm hoping for it, but I don't think it. But we already know it's definitely going to a game six, and we'll see how it goes from there. All right, there you have it. That's our show for this week. Hey, keep this in mind, folks. It's a very different look, as I pointed out. Uh, it might be a precursor of something yet to come as we move closer and closer to episode number, I guess it would be, what, 105, which will be the beginning of yep. our third year, as we've got a lot of things in store for changes coming 
for this, oh, we'll call it for right now, five minutes at the Pratt House. Uh, yep. In the meantime, uh, let me remind you all, please, make sure you get out and uh, be following fanjunkies.net. Get over there. It's uh, where sports meets social networking. All right. Get over there, fanjunkies.net. And also, please be following uh, uh, Jonathan Regis and myself over on Fan Junkies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. Our buddies up in Boston, uh, Scott and John, are going live tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And I plan on getting right off of here, jumping over there, and giving them a call. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give them a call. Just to say, hey, congratulations, guys. You guys are going live. Sports Blogger Radio over there. And, of course, then we rebroadcast on Frat House Saturday. And you jumped in with me on that one last week. I appreciate that. Thanks, Sidekick. Yep. Um, I had mentioned CLW83 before. Make sure, CLW83.com, make sure you get over and check out Sidekick on Jim Williams. Touch them all. Thank you, guys, down there, Carl and Jim Williams. And, of course, last but not least, FrathouseSports.net, our own website. All right. There you have it. Uh, when we come back to you next week, believe it or not, we will be in early June. And so, therefore, there's one more thing I need you to do before we get to that point, And you know what that is. You got to keep us real. You got to keep us live. And you got to keep us going. We'll see you then. Take care. There you go. That's uh, this week's uh, five minutes at the Frat House, number 91. Um, as I said before, make sure you get out and give that one a look. It's very, very different in the way that it uh, looks uh, compared to many of our other productions that we put on uh, before. So go over there and take a look at that. Go out to YouTube. Type in five minutes at the Frat House. You will find it there, uh, along with all of our other productions that we've done over almost two years. Um also, you can find it at FradHouseSports.net, which is our own website. I can hang around with you here for a couple of moments. If anybody cares to call in, 347-237-5373. If you've got anything on your mind, I'm willing to give you some airtime for a couple of moments that we have left. And uh, so long as anybody uh, cares to participate, I'll hang with you for a couple of minutes. Let's get you caught up to date with some baseball scores, things that are going on right now. In the middle of the fourth inning, the Cleveland Indians are leading the Tampa Bay Rays three to nothing. Bottom of the third, the St. Louis Cardinals are beating the San Francisco Giants four to nothing. 
Uh, as we heard from Sidekick, that is a makeup game for last evening. Uh, Giants and Cardinals will go again at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time in their uh, doubleheader today. In the uh, top of the fourth right now, the Seattle Mariners are beating the Minnesota Twins uh, 2-1. All right, so there you have it. That's our up-to-date baseball scores as we know it. Make sure, please, that you are following uh, Jonathan and I. We heard from Jonathan at the top of the show. Jonathan and I on our regular Fan Junkies radio program every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday right here at 12 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, you can call in for that show. Uh, we frequently cover anything and everything. It makes no difference. All the teams, all the sports, all the playoffs, everything. So make sure you're following that one Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. As you heard on our Five Minutes at the Frat House production this week, our good buddies John Leary and Scott Blooney up there in Boston, well, they went live this week for the first time right here on Fan Junkies Radio Network. They went live with their sports blogout program on Thursday evening at 8 o'clock, and they went for a full hour. What a terrific program they put on. And uh, they're going to be doing that again this week, 8 o'clock Eastern Time on Thursday evening. You want to be tuning in for that, whether you are a Boston sports fan or not. These guys just bring it. And they know there's Boston sports. A lot of fun. I gave them a holler last week to congratulate them on uh, going live and on a terrific production that they put together for us right here on Fan Junkies Radio Network. So make sure you're checking that one out. If, uh, Like I said, if you're a Boston sports fan, you have to be. But even if you're not, it's a great, great program just to be kept informed about what's happening in uh, with the Boston Red Sox or the New England Patriots, Boston Bruins. So check that uh, check that program out Thursday evenings 8 p.m. Eastern time. Big thank you and a shout out to our buddies uh, Jim Williams and Carl over there at CLW83.com as well for rebroadcasting all of our fan junkies uh, productions uh, right here on Blog Talk Radio. We appreciate uh, your help and your efforts uh, there at CLW83 and make sure also you check out their programming. They do some great great sports programs and other types of programs as well, not just sports. They have other terrific uh, podcast programs that you need to be checking out. Go check their programs out, CLW83.com. And as usual, I will be back here with you again next uh, Saturday for another Frat House Saturday, uh, right here at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. I appreciate it if you could, well, tell your friends about it. Get them to be listening in. Call in next week. Give us a holler here. Please be tuning in. All right. One more thing I'm going to ask you to do. You know what that is. You got to keep us real, you got to keep us live, and you got to keep us going. I'll catch you next week. See you then. Maybe you're a 49ers fan in Jacksonville or a Jets fan in Houston, and you're looking to connect with fellow fans from hundreds or thousands of miles away. Look no further than FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net is a social networking site dedicated to fans of every team and every league. Connect with baseball, football, basketball, and hockey fans from throughout the country and throughout the world. Get the latest news, take polls, and interact in live chats on game day. And best of all, it's absolutely free to join. Sign up today at FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking.